Welcome to a special edition of Middle Georgia Podcast, celebrating the 100th birthday of WMAZ Radio, now known as News Talk 940 WMAC, and the 100th birthday of radio in Middle Georgia. In the year 2000, GMS Productions, in cooperation with U.S. Broadcasting, produced a two-hour anniversary special for the radio station. The following year, this program won a Gabby Award for Best Documentary or Special from the Georgia Association of Broadcasters. On this podcast, we present that award-winning program in four parts leading up to the radio station's 100th birthday on October 30th, 2022. Since this special first ran 22 years ago, several of the people who were featured have passed away. We dedicate this podcast to their memory, and that includes the narrator of this program, the late Gary Gunner. On October 30th, 1922, WMAZ Radio was licensed for broadcast, and Macon had its first radio station. I'm Gary Gunner, a former WMAZ announcer from the 60s. And during the next two hours, we'll look at some of the programs, music, news, and sports that have been a part of News Talk 940, one of the South's heritage radio stations. We'll also hear from many of the people who've been a part of our radio family through the years. Just one moment now, KCKA, in cooperation with the Pittsburgh Post and Sun, will present the latest presidential election return. It is now apparent that the Republican ticket of Hardigan Coolidge is running well ahead of Cox and Roosevelt. November 2nd, 1920 is considered the official start of radio broadcasting. KDKA in Pittsburgh went on the air just in time to broadcast the results of the Harding-Cox presidential race to an audience of about a thousand people, mainly ham and amateur radio operators. On March 15, 1922, Georgia's first station, WSB in Atlanta, signed on the air. Two days later, they had competition across town from WGST. In April 1922, Mercer University physics professor Dr. C.R. Fountain put up an antenna in the tower at the administration building for a physics class experiment. In August, the first programs were broadcast from the Mercer campus. And October 30, 1922, the 50-watt campus station was officially licensed for broadcast. Retired radio engineer Billy Sowell says that was about all the power you needed back then. Big difference then, you had so few radio stations that you didn't need much power because you didn't have interference from everybody else. The call letters chosen, WMAZ, stood for Watch Mercer Attain Zenith. H.C. Hansen became the first paid employee. He was hired to operate the station because of his prior experience as a steamship radio operator. By the end of 1922, there were only four stations in the state, the two Atlanta stations, WMAZ in Macon, and WPAX, which signed on in late December from the southwest Georgia city of Thomasville. Columbus would not have a radio station until 1928. Savannah first entered the radio industry in 1929, followed by Augusta in 1930. In the first few years of operation, AM 940 would cover Macon's three-day gala known as the Centennial Celebration, as well as the opening of the Washington Library in 1923, the 1925 debut of the new City Auditorium, and the opening of Centennial Stadium, later known as Porter Stadium. 
Still a part of the Mercer Physics Department in 1926, WMAZ Radio ceased operation for a year, the same year that traffic lights were first installed on Cherry Street. In 1927, the Macon Junior Chamber of Commerce, or JCs, raised $600 to revive the radio station. And the following February, Mercer deeded the ownership of the station to the JCs. In 1929, WMAZ increased its power to 250 watts, and four partners, E.K. Cargill, Wilton Cobb, Wallace Miller, and George Rankin, formed the Southeastern Broadcasting Company to lease the radio station from the Macon JCs. WMAZ increased its power to 500 watts, still operating during daytime only hours in 1931. The same year, Macon boxer Young Stribling fought Max Schmeling for the world championship, and WMAZ hit the road with the state of Georgia's first mobile unit, a 1931 Chevrolet panel truck. In 1935, AM 940 upgraded its power to 1,000 watts and moved from the Mercer campus to a small concrete block house on Georgia Place in West Macon, later renamed Radio Drive. Two years later, WMAZ began its 40-year affiliation with the CBS radio network. In those pre-television years, the family would gather around the radio set for drama, mystery, adventure, comedy, quiz shows, and more. Many of these early radio shows later moved to television. Now we take you back to those thrilling days of yesteryear with a few of the old CBS radio shows you would have heard on WMAZ starting in the late 30s. Radio's all-time favorites, Amos and Andy. Well, hello there, Oh, come in, George. I got some wonderful news from back home in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, my younger sister, Amethyst, is going to get married. Oh, so your mama finally unloaded the last one, huh? Oh, no. What evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> And now, CBS Radio brings you Ma Perkins. Howdy, folks, and welcome to Melody Ranch with Dean Autry. I'm back in the saddle again. Out where a friend is a friend. Starring William Conrad, the transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America, and the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. The Guiding Light. Brought to you by the makers of P&G Soap. Peterman presents Double or Nothing. 
Yes, just three little words, double or nothing. The thrilling quiz show with a $100 question presented by Phenomin, the modern chewing gum laxative. And here is the man on the asking end of the $100 question, your paymaster of ceremonies, John Reed King. Del Ward, longtime host of Date with Dell on radio and television, grew up in Macon and remembers that AM 940 developed local programs to complement some of the network programs. Cream of Wheat, the great American family cereal presents Let's Pretend. CBS would carry a program like Let's Pretend. Then Red Cross, very creative man, came up with the idea of, uh, I think it was called School Days, in which uh, local children were utilized. They uh, read poetry or they recited whatever they told about their schoolwork. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Rita Hayworth and Charles Corbin in This Love of Ours. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. By the same token, the uh, popular Lux Radio Theater was uh, sort of copied on a local level. The Making Little Theater from time to time would do radio plays right there in uh, the radio station. And in addition to the people who were cast in the plays, and that was my first time of really getting involved because I was active at the Making Little Theater. Um, they would perform and we had the old sound effects board, you know. We had the door, the creaking door, open and close, and somebody volunteered to open and close the door and play the xylophone to go between the passages of the drama that we were trying to uh, uh, make the radio listeners be a part of. W-M-A-C in Macon. You're listening to our anniversary special on News Talk 940 WMAC. In 1938, AM 940 received another power increase to 5,000 watts. Two years later, the studios moved to the top floor of the Grand Building on Mulberry Street. Also in 1940, WMAZ had its first competitor when WBML signed on. Don King, who hosted WMAZ's morning show in the mid-80s, remembers his days at BML competing with WMAZ. Competition wasn't nearly as tough as it is now. It was basically maybe four radio stations in town, and MAZ had all the power. And there's where the competition came in. And the way WBML got a jump is they dropped network, I believe they were NBC, and went to music and news. But MAZ was always the big one. They had the people, and compared to the other stations, the resources, and uh, all that power. But we competed with them 
not only with just music, but the news. We had more mobile units than anybody in town, and I think that's where we did have more. And luckily, we were on the ground floor of the Fickling and Walker building, and MAZ was in the banker's insurance, so when a news story broke, they had to get to the elevator and come down to get on the street, but we were right there. In 1941, AM 940 moved its studios to the banker's insurance building, which later became the Southern Trust Building. This must be the place for the weather and all the news, sports and better music too. WNEX, Macon's third radio station, provided more competition when it signed on in 1945. The following year, the Mercer Brothers joined the program lineup at WMAZ. The late Wallace Mercer recalled the circumstances that brought them to the station. I went into service and uh, stayed three and a half years, and of course I got out uh, 15th of February 1946, of course we started uh, a couple of days later on WMAZ radio with, uh, it was D. Lee and the Georgia Ramblers at that time. Of course a week later Uncle Ned came in, he was in Atlanta, Crossroad Follows, and he joined the group and uh, of course they ch changed it immediately to Hayloft Jamboree. So we had an early morning program, so Uncle Ned decided, well, you know, let's do this in the afternoon. Uh, it was 5, 5.30, I guess. I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling blue, feeling sad, and all I can, I'll tell you why I feel this way, ain't got no place to hang my hand. The Mercer brothers left Macon to join the Louisiana Hayride in 1948, but returned later that year. Their radio program of either country or gospel music or both was a part of WMAZ for 27 years. They also recorded for Columbia Records in the 50s. Now we have, uh, what is this, Rainbow in Every Teardrop? That's right. Is this a new <laughs> tune now? No, sir, it's an old tune. Uh, put on record by my good friend Slim Whitman there. Yeah, good old buddy there. Yeah, I've seen him one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At a distance. Oh, you just saw him at a distance. Yeah. Huh? Oh, well, well, yeah, yeah, a guy sometimes says, uh, oh, yeah, the tune by an old, old buddy of mine. Yeah. And, and uh, Al told the truth. He saw him one time at a distance there. All right, a rainbow and every teardrop, huh? Gene Stripling, known to radio listeners as Uncle Ned, also came to WMAZ in 1946. Uncle Ned's live conversational commercials were almost as popular as the music played by his band, the Hayloft Jamboree. Yeah, budget repair plan for your car you may be driving now. Uh, to finance a new car, or use one, or refinance one. They got that help waiting for you, Pappy. It's just a matter of you going and talking to them. Atlas Auto Finance Company. Now, Malloy, let's have a little fiddling music here, will you, please? The piano-playing Uncle Ned also read much of his fan mail on the air and made every attempt to honor the Hayloft Jamboree's many requests. This is from Mrs. May Taylor. All right. Says, just love your advertising when you eat while you're telling about the products. You make me so hungry. 
Well, that's the objective. We want you to get hungry for what we're selling. No, that's the thing about it. <coughs> Hell, somebody wanted you to do a nice song for Mr. and Mrs. Russell Turner. And Louise McDonald and Russell Turner were married on January 4th. Well, congratulations there, yeah, January 4th. What's that? Great pretender. Oh, this is yeah, a great pretender here, the nickname Russell there? That's right. All right, congratulations. Bill, I think we got time for hot dog buddy buddy. Cook, you didn't fix no wieners for this tune, did you? Well, you could at least throw a few Thomas Bonbons in there. <laughs> Bill, what you need is some binoculars, my boy. All right, hot dog buddy buddy. Radio listeners who wanted to see Uncle Ned and the Hayloft Jamboree live could get their schedule from their daily radio broadcast. And on Thursday nights, we square hop over in Milledgeville in the National Guard Armory. Be looking for you over there this Thursday night at 8.45. And Friday night down in Wrightsville in the Recreation Building. And Saturday night, Hawkinsville in the National Guard Armory. So, Jeanette Pee Wee now. This is one of my favorites, and I hope you will enjoy it. <laughs> the children of Middle Georgia eagerly anticipated the arrival of Santa Claus, not just on Christmas Eve, but in the days prior on WMAZ Radio. Del Ward and Jimmy Lee were two of those kids who remember this holiday tradition. Uh, I think it was the day after Thanksgiving, or whenever the Macon Christmas Parade was in downtown Macon, and Santa Claus went back to the North Pole. We, we started the broadcast then of going to the North Pole, and we would hear all the winds blowing. And, and we could just envision what it was like, particularly I could as a child. And I would write a letter, as everybody did in Macon, to Santa Claus, and I'd send it to WMAZ, and I would wait every day to hear, hear Santa Claus read my name and read my letter, which he did. The studios were all dark, curtains were drawn. There was no way you could possibly uh, get in any children who came up to see if Santa Claus was there because he was at the North Pole, of course. When I was about six years old, I listened to Santa Claus on WMAZ. Howling wind and Santa reading letters and maybe reading one of mine somewhere along the way. And when I became operations director of the station, I talked to Mr. Red Cross about bringing Santa Claus back. Same fella, Albert Story was his name. And we did. And kids sent in their letters, and we got the sound effects. I mean, it was a super, super event. I think we did that a couple of years, but it was very interesting to have heard, heard that when I was six years old, seven years old, and to be there with him doing that when uh, I was 40 years old. But he was fantastic. I think he was really Santa Claus. I really do. 
just ahead, the longest running voice on the station when our anniversary special continues. Yeah.